Ricochet. Oh, brother. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. Lynch is staring in, has his sign. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Ventura with a grand slam. They're mobbing him before he can get to second base. The Mets have won the ball game. Ventura. Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. How's New York going to get out of this guy? Their captain, David Wright. He's had the bad back. He's got spinal stenosis. Played less than 40 games in the regular season. It's a cold night. be a problem on and off the rest of the season. Mm. Turner drives one to center chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch. Oh wow. The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo. He took a home run away from Justin Turner. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention please. The show. And welcome to the Shea Hello Podcast, episode number three. My name is Casey Lynn. I am the founder and president of Shea Hello Media, and I am joined by my co-host, former Met, former Major League pitcher, Bill Pulsifer, as we have a great episode for you today. Bill, first off, how you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Well, I'm doing well. A uh, lot of things to uh, get into. We uh, touched a, a lot upon in episode two um, on what was going on in Metsville, and obviously here we are, and uh, there's still a lot of things going on in Metsville. And uh, let's just uh, first off get, I wanted to get your overall feel about, we didn't discuss this last time, so we'll discuss it now. A lot of fans, and obviously the team is not admitting it, but the word tanking <laughs> is coming up uh, because of the new CBA you know, agreement where you're now in a lottery if you finish with the worst top six uh, record. Mm -hmm. And the Mets are right there. We didn't think it would happen, um, but they're right there. So I wanted to ask you, as a former player and as a person watching games and just an outsider uh, and also your expertise as a former player, how does a player – go about that where you know everything I read is tank this tank that but to me it's like how do you do that as a player but it, it the Mets have lost you know nine of ten or or whatever it is they'll win one game they'll lose three so I wanted to get your opinion on that as a former player 
who has been on some bad teams, been on some good teams. Uh, I can't see for the heart of me that the players would go out there and not to try to uh, do the best that they possibly can. You know, these guys are professionals. Um, I played on some losing teams. There was never any meeting coming from the front office to come and say, hey, we're going to try to lose ball games or or to try to get a better draft, you know, draft selection. You know, the draft is in baseball is so much different than the majority of sports. Uh, obviously, with quarterbacks and that in the NFL, it's a, it's a crapshoot when you're drafting guys that high. But it, it's there's you know there's no minor league systems for the other sports like that, so it's not like you're getting that guy and he's going to be on your club the following year anyway. So for me personally, I never heard of anything like that. I know the media does talk about it. Um, maybe it's happened in other sports. I don't know. Maybe I can't see Buck Showalter making moves. Uh-huh. against trying like he's not trying to lose his job he wants to keep his job he wants to have the opportunity to manage the club again next year and um i just can't see for the life of me a professional athlete taking a fall unless they were just uh you know not a not a not a guy that you yeah. want in your ball club obviously so i don't i don't see that as as, as anything that's that would be happening it's <clears throat> Yeah, I agree with you. You see it a lot in like basketball where, you know, the lottery is such a big deal for the big college kids or the high school kids and the number one pick. Uh, Baseball, we haven't seen anything like this, but now it's talked about because it's in the CBA, the new CBA when we had the lockout two years ago. Uh, Yeah, but I would have to agree with you. I can't see a professional baseball player making a lot of money going out there, cleats and uniform and just not trying his hardest. Uh, I guess – the fans are talking about maybe just the lineups they see and the starting pitchers. And, you know, they're, they're not, they traded a Verlander and a Scherzer, so they have to replace them. And they're just obviously not as good, you know, yeah, well, on, it is, on paper. Right. It is what it is. You know, the, you got some guys that were playing in AAA coming up and playing and, and, and being in the lineup on a nightly basis, but that's what the roster is now. Unfortunately, it's not um, what everybody had hoped for. And obviously making the trades for the for the future Hall of Fame pitchers, trading them, that uh, changes everything. But um, it gives other people an opportunity, and you make your make or break yourself a little bit right now with those opportunities. Uh, and it might not just be for the Mets, but it might be for your future. You know, going to another club because some of the guys that have come up are guys that have been around in uh, multiple teams throughout their careers, and and some of them are new guys uh, having their opportunity. So um, it's it, it is what it is, you know. Unfortunately, things did not pan out the way that everybody wanted. We went over that last week, but uh, there's still games to be played, and those games have to be played, win or lose or draw. And if you're a young guy or or a veteran guy that's being brought up now to to get some playing time, the last thing you're going to want to do is play poorly, because if you're not playing for your future as a Met, you're playing for your future with what other organization you may be moving on to uh, in the future. Yeah, no, it, it gives a lot of, I, I would say you could, on the flip side, a lot of uh, interest for the AAA players to make a name for themselves who weren't getting time in the big leagues uh, only because now they are and, you know, they're on the big screen and, you know, everybody's watching them. You you saw uh, a couple of days ago, Rafael Ortega had three hits, um, yep. you know, former, former Cub, but because of what's happened, you know, he's getting a chance here again at the major league level and, you know, these guys are trying their hardest to, you know, make a living. So you could flip it around and be like, well, it's anti-tanking, you know, because the guys that are up are, 
are trying their damnedest to do well and, you know, make it for next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. 100%. I can't see for the life of me a professional baseball player just, okay, I'm not going to try to get a hit or I'm not going to make this play. You know, that just that's just not something that happens. Out of respect for the game, respect for your teammates, respect for the team you're playing, just uh, respect for the fans. You know, you just uh, that's just not a – I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, so that that's a very good point, uh, Bill. I think, uh, you know, there is no such thing as tanking in the major leagues, so we'll leave it as at that. Uh, I, I can't see any major league baseball player, you know, going out Absolutely. there and not trying. Uh, so what we did for episode number three is that we had a little bit of a mailbag um, where we had followers of Shea Hello uh, chime in and ask uh, some questions. And uh, I'm going to pull them up right. right now. And uh, I believe all of them are for you. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> so, yes, sir. Let's get to them. There's not many. I believe there's just three. Uh, it was the last minute little, you know, throw some questions in here. But I think this might be a good uh, uh, thing to keep going with uh, if but, this works out. So the first question is from at N-Y-M-G-I. And he wants to know, Bill, with the Verlander and Scherzer rumors about their relationship, my question for Bill is, how often do teammates truly dislike each other, and how weird does it get, or could it get, in that clubhouse? Um, I mean, I played for, for 19, 20 years, and there was obviously going to be some times where there's personalities that clash, or uh, guys are just different types of guys. Um, it's definitely a thing. You know, uh, as professionals and as men, you go about handling your business uh, the best that you possibly can. I'm not going to say you avoid people, but your interactions with them are going to be a little bit more uh, on a minimum compared to some of your closer buddies or, or teammates. And that is the thing. You know, you got 20, I guess it's 26 guys now um, in, a, in a clubhouse. It's not a small, clubhouses aren't small. They're, they're decent sized. And there's the trainer's room. There's the weight room. There's the food room, there's different places where guys go about their business. And uh, it is definitely a thing. Uh, how weird can it get? Uh, you know, I mean, think about your your job. You know, there's going to be people in your office or whatever it may right. be that you do that you don't particularly get along with that person, but you're professionally cordial with each other. And you're not going, you know, you're not going out after after work or after the games to, to go have drinks or, or dinner or yeah. whatever it may be with that guy. But it is definitely not uh, abnormal for different personalities to clash. Now, obviously, when you're dealing with uh, the top of the top when it comes to a professional athlete, um, their idiosyncrasies and their personalities are a little stronger than maybe just your average Joe, quote unquote, but um, which is a different dynamic. But, uh, you know, right we're all professionals and uh, we have to deal with each other as professionals and uh, you try to make the most of it and you're still going to celebrate with each other when you win and give high fives and handshakes uh, out of respect for the team and the fans and yourself and the, the game itself. But there is definitely sometimes where guys just, they clash and that is definitely a thing. <clears throat> yeah, I can definitely see that, especially uh, by, um, NYMGI's question. He was talking specifically. Yeah, I don't. Andrew I really Chaser, don't. Who obviously played? Sorry. I, yeah, they right. just they were teammates on Detroit. You know, maybe so they have a history. A little bit. That's you all. Know? I mean, obviously, um, great competitive pitchers, but maybe yeah. just different different personalities in a way. Uh, I don't know any specifics about it. Um, 
you know, it, right. it is what it is. Okay. Uh, let's get to the next question. It is from Sports R Us 500. And he has a question for Bill. So, Bill, I always wondered about Tommy John's surgery. Can you take us through the process? And why do so many pitchers seem to get an uptick on their velocity? Well, obviously, the first is, is, is getting the injury and getting it diagnosed. And then uh, having the surgery. Well, when I did it, they put me in like a half cast, which was you know, up on the, the arm itself. And then they, they wrapped it. It was kind of like a splint. It wasn't a full cast. And I was in that for a few weeks, actually. So when they got out of that, obviously that's for the, for the ligament, the new ligament, which is actually a tendon that turns into a ligament over, over time. Um, it, uh, it needs some time to heal. And then once they get you out of that, that cast, you go into a brace. And that's when they have little pegs on either side of the brace. And over time, you get to get a little bit more range of movement back and forth. Now, apparently things have changed and you go right into that brace. Now, um, obviously you're not throwing for, for months, you know, um, it's, it's a, right, it's right. a long process. There's a lot of rehab trying to get range of motion back in your arm to where it straightens out. My left arm does not straighten out. And a lot of that has to do with not just, Oh, my arm, really? my left arm is very crooked. My right arm straightens out. My left arm is, is, is wow. bent at like a 20-degree angle. But if you looked at the majority of former professional pitchers, especially guys that pitched as long as I did, uh, that's, that's, that's normal. That's not uh -huh. abnormal. Um, and especially I threw so many cutters that my, you know, my arm was always bent. But uh, why do guys come back harder, throwing harder? I think that a lot of times that – the attention to detail when it comes to your arm care and your arm maintenance uh, is that much higher when you go through an injury and then you're a little bit that scares you that, Oh my gosh, I don't want to get hurt again. So maybe you do a little bit better job of doing your shoulder exercises, doing your forearm exercises. Right. Maybe you take it a little bit more seriously. And I think that has something to do with guys coming back, um, throwing the ball a little harder. I wasn't one of those, unfortunately. Um, but a lot of guys do. Uh, I think that obviously when you get hurt, maybe you'd start to take a little bit of a look back into your mechanics a little bit, try to find some flaws in your mechanics that you can try to, to clean up a little bit. And if you can clean up your mechanics a little bit and the machine just works a little bit better and the timing is a little bit better, then uh, I think that could help with uh, adding some velocity as well. Yeah, that's I'm sure a grueling process, but uh, it seems like everybody yeah. just gets it, you know, if I, it just, I, I can't tell you why, but maybe it just seems like everybody get it. If you don't get it, you're almost like, you know, you're yeah, surprised no at this point. Yeah. It's, it's so uh, weird. It's, you're, you're yeah. just, the body's just not meant to do it. You know, we were, we, we, yeah, we no, were meant I, to have but, our arms and our hands hang below our bodies or below our shoulders and not have our our hands up above our heads throwing. And then obviously the stress that's put on uh, the ligament to be able to throw a baseball with that kind of velocity or that kind of movement. It's just not, yeah. it's not humanly possible. It is, but it's not, it's not supposed to happen. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. So you're, you're rolling the dice. And I always have a saying, uh, if you throw, you will hurt. And if it's not breaking something, you're still yep. going to be sore. You're still going to be, uh, you're going to pay for it. And those days in between starts, or if you're a relief pitcher, you throw two or three days uh, games in a row, you're, you're, you feel it. You, you definitely feel it, and it's a process, uh, you know, especially as a starting pitcher. There's days where you, you, you're that day before you're supposed to start. 
and you're like, oh my goodness, man, there's no way I'm going to even be able to throw tomorrow. My body's still killing me. I'm still trying to regroup. So unfortunately that's just part of the, the beast. Yeah. I, humans were not supposed to, uh, you know, throw at an angle and that hard. Yep. So it totally makes sense. Uh, last question from Sean, John 95. Is Bill still involved with major league baseball in any way? Is there a chance you might become a manager or coach someday? <laughs> well, that, that would be, that would be great. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, they're not looking for guys like me anymore. Uh, you know, I'm almost 50 years old and they look for more guys that are younger into the analytics a little bit more than I am. I would love to also, uh, uh, unfortunately, the the pay to start all over again to go into the minor leagues and start from the beginning it's just it's yep. it's too difficult to uh, to do that it, it, it's not a it's not a young man's game or old man's game it's a younger man's game i am still involved a little bit i wouldn't say with mlb but i do mets fantasy camp every year uh down in st lucie i'll be going up to syracuse here in a couple of weeks they do a, a mini camp up in syracuse at the triple a field so i am involved a little bit uh on the outside but uh, I would love to be a coach or a manager, but uh, I just don't foresee that to be uh, in my future. Yeah, you see it a lot in the minor leagues where, you know, former players, they, you know, want to just stay in the game. And I, I salute them. You know, when I was in the minors as a broadcaster, we had Tommy Herr as our manager. Gary Carter was our manager one year. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, big names. And uh you know, Tim Raines was a manager. I could keep going, you know, just baseball junkies that after they retired, they, if they didn't get into broadcasting, you know, they wanted to, like you said, work their way up uh, to be a coach or manager and pay isn't good. Long bus rides, as you know, in the minor leagues. And, you know, I know as just, you know, being part of the staff on a team. So, uh, you know, 50 is not old at all, but, you know, it's a grueling process uh, to start over and do it. So, uh, it's not, yeah, well, when I, totally when I got it. out of baseball, I was 37. And so I had, you know, I had kids that were growing up at the time and for me to, uh, to not be able to afford to, to do it, uh, was a big thing. You know, I had to, I had to get a job where I could, could make some money to, to one pay for my family. And then two, to obviously be around for my kids while they're growing up, uh, would love to get back into yep. it, but it would be let's just starting, kind of starting all over again. To totally understand. Totally. So that ends the, uh, the questions that we had from the followers. So I want to thank all three uh, for asking Bill all the questions. They were very, very good. Uh, and we'll keep doing this. Yeah. I thought uh, good answers, Absolutely. good questions. So uh, good on both of you. Uh, the next thing I wanted to discuss uh, with you, Bill is, uh, the outlook for 2024 for the Mets last episode, we kind of talked the state of the Mets now and what they did at the deadline and the flipping of the big names and the, the guys who were not under contract for next year. Uh, I sent you a list. Uh, I don't know if you got I a did. chance to look at it, uh, but there are some pretty good names on the 2024 free agent list. Um, now the question is, do we go with, are the Mets, and this is everyone, we don't know. Are the Mets going to go for some big splashes? Are they going to go for medium-sized contracts and wait for 2025? Uh, you know, they have pitchers uh, that they have. They need a starting yeah. rotation. You know, penciled in right now is only Senga and Katana, who, you know, both have pitched really well uh, this year. Uh, you know, so that list, um, 
I guess I should read it off for everyone watching and listening really fast so they have an idea. And then I'll ask you of what you have in mind and maybe what you think the direction you would take or yep. uh, whatever you want. Um, quickly, uh, Tim Anderson, Josh Bell, Cody Bellinger, Michael Conforto, he has an option. Uh, Tazar Hernandez, J.D. Davis, <clears throat> Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Justin Turner, Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, Clayton Kershaw, Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, Shoei Otani, Blake Snell, Marcus Stroman option, Eduardo Rodriguez option, and Julio Urias. Not mentioned on that list, by the way, someone who I'm very interested, Alex Cobb. He's on the Giants having a great year, but he has a team option I looked up for the Giants that I'm sure they're going to pick up. So with those names out there, what comes to your mind as, as a, you know, following the Mets and the direction now that they have to have roster, have to have the roster filled and you know, they're going to be competitive. He's going to Absolutely. Spend money somehow. I believe that too. I don't think he's going to sit around and say, we're, we're, rebuilding i think he wants to win now i think he's a mets fan and all mets fans want to win right now um i did make a little list of some guys that i i personally would hope they'd be interested in uh obviously the number one guy i think they should see what they could do with otani obviously uh whether he's interested or not i don't know i think it makes a lot of sense obviously uh tremendous asian uh population in flushing and in queens uh, I think it makes business sense as well as sporting sense. Uh, well, it will happen. Who knows? If he's, if, I, I would hope that the, the the Mets would be interested in him as he's um, he's a uh, something special, you know, that does doesn't come around every once, you know, once every couple hundred years, hundred years or he's, so. He's a unicorn. He's 100%. a unicorn. But uh, Blake Snell is having a tremendous year. Uh, looks like he's kind of turned himself around. I know he's a former Cy Young Award winner. Kind of hit a rough patch a little bit there, but it seems like he's kind of uh, turned himself around and, and is getting better. And obviously they always say that, uh, you know, left-handed pitchers develop a little bit later than right-handed pitchers. I don't know how much that's true or not, but if you want to go with that, um, <laughs> you want to go with that thought process, then I think that he would be right in there with somebody you would look at um i think julio Arreyes, same thing another younger left young lefty but veteran lefty now who's been around for a long time uh been very successful i think he would be somebody that they could look at um aaron nola he is uh, another guy who's an l east guy he's pitched uh, you know he's pitched well against the mets over the years they they know him very well they they know what they see from him i think that he's a, a big time competitor um i still think he's got years ahead of him and uh, so those are some guys oh, that yeah. I think could help in the starting rotation. Um, obviously, I don't know how much Josh Hader would be interested in being an eighth inning guy, but I think that money <sighs> talks and bullshit walks. Um, so he might be interested in something like that and having an opportunity. To... Is Hader he's on is the Hader, list, uh, he's on the uh, list free agent? of 2023 free agents that I saw. So unless I'm incorrect, I looked huh. on a website and I, I maybe it's incorrect because I know he okay. wasn't on that list that you sent, but uh chad green there's another guy who's been a successful relief pitcher for the yankees for yankees. the last few years i Hurt. think he's still got some stuff left in him and what about bringing robertson back i think he might still have something left and if you don't have to use him in the yeah in the ninth inning and you can use him as a seventh inning or eighth inning guy i think that he would be um a quality quality arm that still has something left in him position player wise yeah. a guy that's made a huge splash this year huge comeback I think it is a little bit of a roll of the dice just because of the, the years of struggling. But I do think that due to a shoulder injury, 
this guy struggled for a few years, and that's Cody Bellinger. Obviously, he's having a tremendous year. Uh, I think he, I think he, I think he could slot right into right field and play right field. You know, he's got a big arm. He's a, he's a good outfielder. Obviously, he plays center field and first base. Um, seems to have turned himself back around and got himself on the right track. Uh, he knows how to win. Uh-huh. The guy's been a winner. He's played for the Dodgers for years. Obviously, he's a Cub now. Um, somebody who's been hurt, but has a long track record of being a very successful hitter, and that's Michael Brantley. Uh, he might be able to get some something on the low. You know, somebody that's trying to come back. He's obviously coming back from the um, the hurt shoulder. It's a torn labrum, which all which all, the, shoulder, all of a sudden yeah. has become a very I don't want to use the word popular, but it is popular injury. It seems it used to be the hamate bone back in the nineties. And now it seems to be the torn, um, the torn shoulder, the labrum in the shoulder for the hitters. Now, uh, another veteran guy, we're looking for a DH here, JD Martinez. Uh, I think he's somebody that could be somebody that, yep. uh, still has some good life left in him. Uh, and then we'll go. Oh, I- I'm, Josh he Hader is, right? is on this yeah, list. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I must have read him. Uh, I'm yeah, sure just he slipped my mind. He's right closer, here in front of me. I'm looking at it. The Mets could probably yeah. pay him closer money to pitch the eighth inning. And if you could have a lockdown eighth yep. and ninth inning, boy, that really shortens the ball game. It definitely makes it a lot easier. You're playing with a lot less outs, it seems, with the, when the, with those two guys out there. Um, that's hopeful thinking, obviously. We'll go old school here. There's, a, I know he has an option, but uh, with uh, familiarity, Michael Conforto. I know he has an option, but, hey, the guy was a good ball player. He's a good teammate. He was a good Met. Um, If he's healthy, maybe it's a possibility. And then, obviously, my last guy that I put on the list is somebody that was on the club this year, and that's uh, Pham. He might be – he made a little bit of a splash, uh, was one of the better players, if not the best player on the team offensively for a while. Only thing about that is bringing back a guy that was on a team that kind of fell short Maybe maybe that's something that would hold them back, but obviously he was very productive for the uh, for the Mets this year, and I feel like he had he felt like he had something to prove, and he's kind of proven himself to be uh, maybe even a better player than shoot he thought, or maybe not what he thought, but what people thought about him uh, coming into this year. So that's yeah. kind of some of the guys that uh, I think that they sh- could be interested. In. I'm not going to say say should be interested because I'm not a not a front office guy. I don't. I don't, I don't quote unquote know what I'm right. talking about, but uh, that's a that's <laughs> yeah, a do. that's a good list I think, and that's some solid players that still have years left in them, uh, productive years, and I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to come play for the Mets. You know, they're they're looking to obviously try to do something, and uh, some people don't like New York, but uh-huh. hey, you only spend half your time in New York; the other half's spent on the road, and then you got the rest of the, the rest of the year you're uh, you're at your home. You know, so I think that uh, those are that's a good list of names, and I would I would love for them to see them get some of those guys. Yeah, the uh, the one name uh, that I'm a, a little bit remiss that I did not it wasn't on the list, but I have to bring him up now because he's the top of everyone's list. He's in Japan. He's like the new Senga Yamamoto. Uh, he's on his way to win the third what they call I believe and. Uh, PB, which is the equivalent of the Cy Young. Uh, he pitched the WBC and uh, pitches for the Oryx Buffaloes. And uh, he's turning 25. And uh, if you look around Twitter, uh, he's the guy that everybody thinks, and we don't know, 
you know, we're just fans and, you know, we don't know what Steve's thinking or Billy Epler, but Billy Epler has a track record for Japanese pitchers. Angels Otani, Sanga with the Mets. Sanga's pitched really well, you know, and they scouted Sanga for years. Uh, so Yamamoto, um, let me just read you his stats real quick because uh, we know these guys do translate to pitch well in the majors. This year so far, yeah. I don't know if it's over, he's 24 years old, 16 games started, 115 innings, 84 hits, just two home runs given up, only 14 walks with a 157 ERA. He's on his way to win the third Cy Young. And, you know, Steve Cohen, I'm sure Billy Epler are going to be all over this guy, just given his age, his success, and the success that they've had with Japanese ballplayers. So uh, that's a name that I have to throw out there because I believe, you know, He's a guy that the Mets could easily. That's go a after. that's a good name, and those are some those are um, some tremendous numbers. And uh, if he could come over and and be as solid as as Senga has been, uh, I think he would be a a great a great addition as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was a story in the New York Post a little while ago by Joel Sherman, and seven season in the Nippon Professional Baseball League, a one nine two career ERA. He pitched in the WBC, struck out 12 batters in seven innings. I mean, everything about him. Uh, high 90s fastball, and it says one of the best splitters in the world. So, uh, you know, let's see if the Mets go after him. They have to fill up their starting rotation. Uh, just to go back to your list really quick, because you had some good answers and good uh, some good nuggets there with the pending free agents. Uh, for me, uh, if the Mets want to make a splash next year and be competitive, which I truly believe they will, uh, just like you, I think Urias, given his age, makes the most sense. You can, you know, he's 26, 27. That lines up with the Mets, how they want to get younger. And, you know, he's won a World Series. He's been very, just a, just a great left-handed pitcher for his entire career. Um, and also Sonny Gray, who's had a great year uh, for Minnesota. The only other th- the thing about him is that he didn't pitch well. Yeah, that's the thing about some whether somebody's a New York guy or not. I would think that he would be a little hesitant to maybe come back to New York because he has went away and had found a success again. Uh, And look, that's hey, some people want to play in New York. Some people don't. Um, But again, money, money does talk, but uh, I, I think he's, I think he's probably safe in his financial for his, for his life. But uh, I, obviously he's been tremendous over the last two years, bouncing back. Um, yeah. And then, listen, the Bronx is not Queens, so that's that. You know, anything could happen. Yeah. And then you touched upon this, uh, Justin Turner, JD Martinez. The Mets need a DH next year. I can't see Vogelback being back. He is under arbitration, so the Mets would have to non-tender him, just like they did with Justin yeah. Turner, ironically, who is a free agent, and that didn't work out for the Mets. Uh, I don't see Vogelback coming back. Um, no pun intended or whatever that means. We'll go back, coming back. But uh, the Mets had a chance this year with uh, Justin Turner and J.D. JD Martinez, who were both free agents, one-year deals. J.D. signed with the Dodgers, Turner with the Red Sox. They're both having great deals, uh, great years. And, uh, you know, the Mets have to figure out maybe Vientos could be their DH, and we're going to find that out in the next 40 games or so. Um, but, yeah, I think between you and I, we, we – we're yeah. aligned in the I'd hate to, the I'd hate to see right Vientos there. get slotted into DH this young into his career because, you know, I'd like to see him be able to see what he can do out there, especially as a younger player. 
I think DHing as a younger player is very difficult because you're not used to that. You're used to being out on the field and then having your at bats. I think the DH has always been more of a, an older player's position where, yep. all right, I've played in the field. I know what the major leagues is all about. I know what major league pitching is all about. Um, I can just focus now on the hitting. Uh, I think for a young guy, if he's going to struggle right away, which a lot of young guys do because it's not easy. Um, and all he's got is the time to sit around and think about hitting. I think that if he does struggle just because this game is so mental, he's got, he's sitting there for two innings thinking about his next at bat, as opposed to having to go out there and, and catch a ground ball or make a throw or catch a pop-up or whatever it may be to get you away from just thinking about focusing on all I got to do is hit. All I got to do is hit. So I think that's why it's a difficult position for a, for a young player. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I guess right now they're giving him the, the time to show if he could play third base, you know, with Beatty sent back to AAA and Beatty will be back. You never know what's going to translate, but I tend to agree with you. He's too young to just be pitchhold to yeah, a, I, a DH spot. He's got to have a position. I think that's a little bit of a, you know, but Beatty's got third base. Maybe yeah, they move him yeah. to left. I think we that's don't know. a little bit. It's tough you know? when you have the two young guys that both play the same position, you know, you kind of want them to push each other. Maybe one's got to go. Each other, but we're human beings, man. We're going to feel that pressure of, oh, I didn't get a hit and he got a hit yesterday, or he hit a home run yesterday and I struck out two times. Or Development, right. sometimes competition is good, but I think that maybe competition between an older player and a younger player is a little better than two younger players trying to compete with each other for the same position. It's not like, it's not like a starting staff kind of, let's say like when me and Isringhausen both came up in 95 where – we both had a spot in the rotation. There's only one third baseman that can play yep. uh, on any given night. So that's a exactly. that's a touchy yeah. situation there when you have two young guys that are fighting for a position, uh, the same position. And I don't think either one of them is capable of playing shortstop or second base. You know, first base is, is obviously taken. Shortstop is obviously taken. So, you know, that's that's a little bit of a – and then they also have uh, the other young fellow down there, AAA, Mauricio. Yeah, I mean – Mauricio. And then they traded for shortstops, and it's it's a, it's very interesting to see what's what's going to happen. You know, what's going to happen? It it will all shake yep. out, you know. But yeah, you're right. They have a lot of uh, middle infielders, corner yep. infielders. So they need to start hitting infielders. some guys a bunch of fly balls. <laughs> uh, I think that's for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go uh, wrap it up. But before we do, I wanted to get uh, first the Pete Alonzo talk that everyone's now entering because we're going into his walk year next year. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts, but before we do that, that's a little teaser in the business. I wanted to ask the former major league pitcher, Bill Pulsifer, and everybody wants to know, I'm just going to run a couple things by you quick, quick hits. Yep. Okay. Just quick questions. Uh, and you know, you give your answer and then we'll go into Mr. Polar right. Bear. Okay. Favorite park you've ever pitched in, minors well, or majors? Stadium. I mean, I grew up a Mets fan. Uh, I was a huge Doc Gooden fan. Still a huge Doc Gooden fan. Uh, obviously, walking out onto Shea Stadium and sharing sharing a mound with the likes of Tom Seaver, uh, Nolan Ryan, Dwight Gooden, Jerry Kuzman, Sid Fernandez. Oh, I can I can name the names and keep going. But uh, to be able yep. to say that I got to stand on that mound and got to be a part of that is obviously the the bee's knees, if you will, for sure. Absolutely. 
Uh, toughest batter that you ever faced? Um, I had two guys that were very, very difficult, gave me a hard time. Obviously, there's other guys because my, you know, I have a five ERA for my career. But um, two that I remember <laughs> obviously giving me a hard time: uh, Chipper Jones, he, which ticks me off because as a switch hitter, I hate to see the guy that's hitting right-handed be able to hit the lefty. But may, I'm, I'm hoping for the life of me that he was a natural. Right. Uh, right-handed hitter and, and turned into a left-handed hitter. But anyway, Chipper gave me a hard time. He threw right. He threw right-handed. Yeah, I, I, so who that, knows? You know, you there are all those, those, those strange that. guys that throw right-handed and hit left-handed. But uh, he gave me a hard time. Yep. And then a little more obscure, but still a very good player, tremendous pro, uh, Gary Gaetti, another one who who gave me a hard time. Okay. And uh, he he seemed to hit extra base hits, if not the ball over the fence, quite a few times off of me. Under, very, very underrated, Gary Gaetti. Yep. You don't hear his name. Very good all. Ball player. Yeah, very good ball player. Solid. Uh, last question of the the quick hits, if you want to call it. Best players that you played with as a teammate. Well, um, I got to play with. And, and you could take it either way you want, you know. But I, I guess we'll go. Well, with I mean, obviously, you know, I, I was that. Uh, I never. I didn't play in the big leagues because I was in spring training with the Rangers in one. Uh, and that would be Alex Rodriguez was obviously one of the most talented players uh, in the history of the game. Um, I played with Albert Pujols right. in um, in St. Louis, and then Manny Ramirez. I played with him in Boston. Those are three of the best right-handed hitters over the last fifty years. So those are tough ones. To those That's... are pretty good ones. <laughs> Don Olerud as yeah, a left-handed those hitter. Are top Don Olerud was one of the best professional hitters I, I played with. Uh, obviously, Mike. John yeah. Olerud. Is sorry to cut you off, John, because you said John Olerud. I'd be remiss if I didn't. John Olerud, in my opinion, is the most underrated ball player right. ever. And I'm ever. I'm not just saying yeah. New York Mets, you know, ever. But I just think the guy is just so underrated. Look up his numbers, everyone, if you're listening. Um, you know, you played with him, and you know, you probably saw it firsthand. I watched him as a fan growing up, and I was just in awe. As a Mets fan growing up, I just wish he stayed yeah. with the Mets longer. Yeah. But I understand why right. he went back to Seattle right. Right for on. family reasons. I mean, look at his numbers, and then try to compare yeah. his numbers to what our quote unquote a good hitter a good hitter is in today's game, and you'll be astonished as yep. to the numbers. The, the you know, I think I know they say batting average doesn't matter, but I, I you're you're never you're never going to convince me of that. You're never going to convince me of batting average. Well, his his batting average, yep. his fielding, and his on-base percentage, and his defense, and being yep. clutch. I mean, this is all, you know, why he's such an underrated player. Uh, you know, but he was replaced by Todd Zeal in 2000, and Zeal did pretty well that year, too, Absolutely. especially in the playoffs. So, um, so uh, we'll wrap it up. We teased about it a little bit uh, before, but back to Polar Bear and Pete Alonzo. A lot of talk right now. Pete has gone on a tear. Uh, once again, it looks like he's healthy, yeah. uh, healthy or from that, you know, big, big time thing to be healthy in the major leagues. You know, the hand is obviously recovered um, and whether he came back too soon, you know, yeah. we don't have to go into that. But this is where I'm coming from and we'll, I'll get your take. So the Mets sold their big time pitchers and I don't have a problem with that. They got a good return, you know, and they Steve, again, made the decision they weren't going to win the World Series this year. Fine. You know, they waved the white flag for this year. I think they'll be very competitive in 2024. They have to make a decision with Pete Alonso, who's basically the face of the franchise, homegrown player, drafted in 2000, uh, 
16, I believe, 17, major league debut, 19, rookie home run record, rookie of the year, uh, top five to start his career in home runs. I believe he's got like 181. It's top four. He's on that list. So where I'm going with is if I'm Steve Cohen and Pete has to get paid and he's a fan favorite, if you want us to make a statement to the fans who are rightfully pissed off right now watching some base Mets baseball and all that. I don't let him go to the free agency. As soon as this season ends, I make him an offer. It's not going to change. If you have a number in mind and you think it's, he's worth it, you know, throw the fans a bone. If you want Pete back and you think he's good worth it and you want to do the same thing that like you did with Nimmo, but not let Pete go to free agency like they did with Nimmo, you know, make an offer um, really quickly. We can go by two of the best first basemen in the league, Freddie Friedman and Matt Olson. Matt Olson, eight years and $68 million he got. He is 28 years old. That's $21 million a year. Freddie Friedman, 33 years old, second big contract, six years and $162 million. That comes out to $27 million a year. So why I'm bringing this up? It's a barometer for what Pete probably is looking at in terms of money right. and what Steve is looking at. Pete will be 29 in December. He's under contract for 24, free agent in 25. So I think, and I'll get your take on this, Pete is right in the middle of that. You know, he he is having a little bit of an off year in terms of the average and not hitting to right center, but he's still third in the majors in RBIs and home runs. And yeah, the batting average is down, but he is just, you know, a great player. These guys don't grow on trees and he's a fan favorite. He loves New York, all of that. So I think Steve Cohen, if I'm Steve Cohen, um, I'm on my yacht now <laughs> having this podcast with you, first of all, but I think if you're ready to make that offer, you know, at the end of 2024, make it now. Don't let him go to the free agency. Don't let him even go to Boris. He's not under Boris now, you know, give him a, a contract somewhere in the middle of Friedman and Olson. That's where I come in. Lock him down. He's your first baseman for life. He'll shatter every power record. Name and you know number retired, um, and then make your roster out of after that. That's my take. I love to hear I, your I, take. I, I don't think you could say it any better. I think that that's that's right there. He is a Met. He loves being a Met. Um, the fans love him being a Met. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised there hasn't been talk about it uh, already. You know, um, seeing what some of the other organizations have done with their young players. He cares a lot. Like I thought we talked about last week. Uh, sometimes I think he cares too much to where he puts himself into a yeah. hole. Obviously, we said we weren't going to talk <laughs> about the injury and coming back, but that's something. That's definitely something. He's worked his way through it. Uh, that's one thing about Pete. I don't know the man personally, but I just from watching him play, he's going to work. He's not going to just cash it in he's going to put in the work he's going to do whatever it takes to to try to succeed and i don't feel like it's just for himself i feel like he wants to succeed for the organization he wants to succeed for the fans like you said homegrown guy as somebody that was a homegrown guy that came up as a number one prospect there's something special about that that blue and orange and, and playing for the mets uh i think he feels that i don't think it i know it without even knowing him so I, I think that that's yeah. a great idea to don't let it get to don't let it get to where he can see some animosity or, or have some animosity about it didn't get done. 
especially because I'm sure he does everything, goes above and beyond everything they ask him to ever do, whether it be going to say hello to somebody, whatever it may be. I think that he is that guy. And uh, I I think that he's got to get that contract. He's got to get paid. I think it will, it will make people, other players that are free agents feel how serious the Mets are and how they take care of their players. And um, he is one of their guys, if not the guy, uh, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that I, I would like to see it get it done this off season, as opposed to letting it, letting it go because then you're just putting on more pressure on a player next year to put up numbers and do well uh, that doesn't need to be out there because the game puts enough pressure on itself to, that- to for you to, to put up those numbers and to, and to play well. Right. And you can make the case that Pete could be like, you know what? No, I'm going to bet on myself and have a great 2024 right. and get a better contract. But if Steve Cohen just gives them that contract right now, that you're not going to get a better contract regardless of your 2024 season, that's what Steve needs to do. Because like you said, the animosity, the ears, the people in your ears, you know, once you become a free agent, you don't know what's going to happen. So I really hope that the first thing they do after this season is lock Pete up you know, as a Met for life. So yeah, I'm think, glad that we're on the same page with that. I think that would that. be a great thing for everybody involved. It would help him just relax. And you know, you're never really 100% relaxed, but to feel more comfortable in your skin and in your, your position in the organization. And just the, that would be that boost of confidence for him that the organization saying, you're the guy, you're our guy, and we want you here, yep. and we don't want you ever to leave. I yep. wouldn't want him to leave. Hey, look, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a David too, Wright he's special, type. You know, he's, so. a, he's a, a good guy. Yep. Loves being a Met, cares about being a Met, wants yep. to win in New York, wants to win in Queens, wants it for the fans, wants it for – he wants it for all the right reasons. And I don't think it's necessarily about him and the money. I think, obviously, the money comes along with it. The adulation comes along with it. But winning in New York is obviously special and, uh, you know – it, it's. Yeah. I think he wants to do that, and I think I'm hoping that the the organization feels the same. I believe they do. I just like to see him get it done for sure. I hope so. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. And you know, if it doesn't happen early or before the season starts in 2024, we're he's probably going to free agency. So we'll we'll know pretty early whether you know he's testing the waters or right or not. So at least we'll know soon. Soon. Uh, good episode. I had a lot of fun. Me too. Um, always a lot, always a lot to talk about with the Mets, whether they're competing or they're not. That's just the way the Mets have been since 1962. Um, so I want to thank my co-host, former Met Bill Pulsifer, uh, for being on episode number three of the Shea Lowe podcast. Uh, Bill, always a pleasure. And, uh, until, uh, episode number four, uh, I also want to thank everybody listening and we have some news. Uh, we are now on Apple. Uh, podcast as well. So uh, you can find us by typing in Shea Hello Podcast on Apple Podcast. You can find us on Spotify by typing in Shea Hello Podcast on Spotify. And also video wise, uh, we have our YouTube page where if you want to watch us uh, at Shea Hello Media uh, by typing that on YouTube. So audio for those two platforms and video for YouTube. Uh, so that's some exciting news. We're we're making the rounds as we begin the podcast venture, and we're we're getting Very out good. there. So uh, I want to thank Bill. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, this has been the Shea Hello Podcast, and I want to wish everybody a great rest of your day. Thank you, Casey.